Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. And I'm your co-host, Phoenix. Today we are going to give a uh, an abbreviated review on The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Peter Parker runs the gauntlet as the mysterious company Oscorp sends up a slew of supervillains against him, impacting on his life. Okay, let's get it. Okay, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a uh, PG-13 action-adventure fantasy movie uh, based on the comic books. This is uh, the sequel to the uh, 2012 uh, Amazing Spider-Man, of course. It stars Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man and Peter Parker, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, Jamie Foxx as Max Dillon and Electro, uh, Dane DeHaan as... Uh, Jay- not James Franco. Uh, <laughs> um, Dane DeHaan as uh, Harry Osborn in The Green Goblin. Uh, a couple other people, uh, Sally Field as Aunt May. It's got the same director, Mark Webb. And just to start it off a little bit, uh, give a little background um, about the the character itself. I wouldn't call myself an expert at all. Uh, matter of fact, I'm far from it. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, my knowledge about the Spider-Man mythology, um, I would say, is somewhere about a 3 or 4. Um, you know, I'm more of the average fan, really. Uh, and I know pretty much the basics, some stuff that I learned from... You know, watching special features. I don't read any of the comic, um, uh, uh, any of the comics or graphic novels, um, but I've seen all the movies. Uh, I've listened to you know um, number of po- uh, other podcasts. So any anything um, I know is from those. Uh, F- Phoenix, what is your history with Spider Man? Uh, I read graphic novels all the time and play the games and the movies. I know. Most things there are to know about the superhero universe and the Spider-Man mythology. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I have to rate myself either 8. Yeah, probably 8. Okay. And uh, you've actually grown up watching all the Spider-Mans also. Yeah. And uh, matter of fact, I think when the first one came out, you, were, you weren't even 2 yet. Uh, so you've literally grown up watching Spider-Man where, uh, you know, maybe some of the guys my age or older uh, grew up reading them. Mm. Um, so what are your initial uh, reactions to this? I really liked it more than the first movie because it showed the interesting plot points that could have been filled in Spider-Man 3, but they just uh, delivered the villains and more things better. Yeah, um, this this one right here, I definitely enjoy a, a, a lot... A lot more than the the first installment. Uh, this one obviously isn't um, focusing so much on the origin story like the the first one did. Um, now, in comparisons to the other three, where or okay, okay, there's five movies right now. Where, how would you rate this? Or why don't you even just give us a, a rating of uh, your Spider-Man movies from um, five? Yeah, from 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 the uh, best to the least favorite. All right, so I'm gonna have to go. Amazing Spider-Man two, 
Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man, then Spider-Man 3. I agree with that. Um, two, uh, the original two, Sammy Raimi 2 and 1 are pretty close for me. I like them both. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with your order. Um, this this review isn't even, it, it is going to be a review, but it's not going to be like our previous episodes uh, where we go scene by scene. We didn't take, uh, you know, copious amount of notes. I, I really struggled trying to write down a few things on paper in the, you know, in the theater. Um, so I, I only wrote a few things really, and we're just going to kind of go um, through some of the things we liked. You know, the characters, uh, some things we might have picked up, Easter eggs, uh, things of that nature. Um, the movie starts off uh, in the plane, and we get, you know, a, a little bit more of Peter's parents. Um, what were their names? Richard Parker and Mary Parker. Yes. And so what do you think about this scene here? The plane scene? Yes. I thought it showed how... Richard Parker could really fight for him and his wife and his child, and that, uh, you know, just what kind of person they both really are, trying to fight for their lives. Right, because, uh, you know, Mary, she obviously did not want to leave her son. And Richard obviously is uh, in some kind of trouble because he's trying to upload uh, some kind of data to somewhere we don't know yet. And then this guy comes out from the cockpit, uh, the, you know, the steward, uh, flight attendant. He uh, he comes in, he starts washing his hands, and Richard noticed that he's washing off blood. So already, he, you know that there's going to be some kind of trouble. And we get from the first movie that the plane went down, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that that's what's going to happen here. So little little glimpses into the past like that are really interesting to watch because... Up, up until then, it was really mysterious about how they died. So that was nice to watch. Okay, and then from there, we get, what is it, the fight uh, between uh, Alex, Alexei... Ses- how do you say that? Um, Alexei Stietsevich. Okay, Stietsevich. Uh, which is uh, play, played by um, Paul Giamatti. Um, do you know this actor? I do not. Okay, he he's been in a lot of things actually. Uh, he was in. Um, I'm gonna try to throw out some movies that I think you might have seen, but Big Fat Liar. Saving no, oh, uh, I've seen it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he uh, and you can't tell, but he was in the Tim Burton's remake of uh, Planet of the Apes. He was uh, one of them. I forget which one he played, but we get a, a scene where Spider-Man is chasing him and a bunch of other uh, crooks. And they've stolen what appears to be, what is it, plutonium? Yep. Okay. So Spider-Man's just, you know, swinging around, chasing after Alexi and his uh, uh, band of bad guys. Um, and while while things are going on, we see that Peter is having visions of uh, Captain, is it Captain? Captain Stacy. Captain Stacy. What do you think of these visions that he's having it obviously shows the guilt he's having that he's not keeping up to his promise about staying away from Gwen yeah yeah um so from the first movie prior to him dying 
he did make a promise that he would keep Gwen out of it. And uh, this could be, you know, his guilt, but it could also be, you know, like a form of PTSD uh, where, you know, it this uh, event that happened to him was very traumatic, kind of affected him. And we get a, a little bit later on, even Gwen knows this, that this happens, that uh, once in a while, Peter will have these visions of him uh, and it seems to haunt him. What do you think of the of the choice to actually show him go through this uh, as as visions? Um, would you have liked it better maybe if the director had gone with um, something where he would just have flashbacks of those last moments, or would you... De- definitely not the flashbacks because if he kept on doing that, it would get really redundant and um, just get boring after a while. Yeah, I. I see what you mean there. It, it made more sense that the director put uh, Captain Stacy in those all those other scenes. Yeah, I, I guess it, it, it seems it seems as though he tends to appear when Gwen is in a lot of danger, right? Um, well, except the graduation. He was there too. Was that afterwards? Well, yeah. See, the thing is, we, we watched this only one time, and unfortunately, we weren't able to um, record right away, so um, not a lot of things are really fresh in our minds. Um, and I know I haven't mentioned yet, but obviously, the, the, this is going to be spoiler-filled. So, um, it, yeah, if you haven't watched this, definitely you know hit pause, go watch it, and remember to come back and hit play. So, yeah, I guess I, I really have no other, no other thoughts of the chase scene, because it, it, it's really... Yeah, it's not quick, but we we see you know um, this all this pursuit happens during his high school graduation. Gwen Stacy even calls him over the phone, and he's not even trying to tell her uh, that he's in the middle of something. But she hears the police sirens and all that, and um, so it's. What do you think of him stuck on the front of that uh, vehicle? I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, it really showed his humor as Spider Man. And um, really brought character to the character. Yeah, the things, little things like this, and I'll point them out, you know, kind of as we go, if I remember them. But this, these are little things that um, make me think of a Spider-Man movie. You know, these little funny scenes. What did you uh, think of his suit? It, it is a, a bit of a change from the first movie as well. I like to see a lot better in this movie because it showed sort of a, a classic sort of look. But um, I, I definitely liked it better than the first one because it kind of strayed away from the comics and everything else. Yeah. Um, this suit was supposedly made uh, from Gwen Stacy after something went wrong with turbines, I think, with Spider-Man's old suit, uh, as it did in the comics. Okay. Um, what I like about it... Uh... I wasn't a big fan of the first one. It was a little bright. This one seemed, you know, slightly muted, you know, so it's not so vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I like the effect when he's swinging around uh, New York and you get to see, um, you know, as he's, you know, kind of free-falling a little bit, you get to see the the, the material, you know, kind of kind of flutter. Um, so I like that. Um, that kind of, I mean, the effects are pretty good. Um you know, maybe I'm not very good at spotting, you know, whether or not it's CGI or real, but it that looked pretty real to me. Uh, you know, that they, um, it looked like they, you know, 
filmed him like behind a green screen and uh, and just kind of impo- uh, superimposed him onto onto the you know the the backdrop of New York. That effect looked realistic. Okay, so we get a little bit of the uh, graduation scene, and you know we see Gwen Stacy, and she's giving a speech. Uh, after the graduation, Aunt May um, is there too, and um, you know Peter's talking to her. And did you have any thoughts of this scene? No. Okay. There is one thing I forgot. Uh, is during that chase scene earlier. One person he does save is Max Dillon, you know, which is played by Jamie Foxx. You're familiar with Jamie Foxx? Yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, Jamie Foxx plays Max Dillon, who, what do you think, what do you think of the look of Max Dillon? Nerd. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's kind of balding, he's got a little comb over, he's got a, you know, really big gap in between his teeth. Okay, now, aside from his appearance, what do you think of him as a character? I felt sorry for him. Everyone was just trampling over him and walking and not even caring about what was happening to him. You know what? I, I, I really felt that too. Uh, and I think that's why they chose to get Mark Webb as director. He's very good with uh, human relations and interactions. He really gets you to feel for the people, whether it's like a, a romantic uh, relationship or even just a regular friendship. Um, Mark Webb did... Uh, um, one of my favorite uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies uh, in 500 Days of Summer, uh, which is you know more of an independent film. Um, and you can kind of see that style a little bit in some of the way uh, he shot some of these scenes. But you really do feel for Max Dillon, and his appearance was just kind of... I don't know. I'm sure there are people that act and look this way. He's a a bit eccentric, and, you know, after meeting Spider-Man, he becomes a little bit obsessed at first. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it definitely gets uh, a a lot worse uh, throughout the movie. Um, But I think, as a whole, the character was just a a little too much, but you do really feel bad for him. And then, you know, shortly, you're on, and I guess we can actually go right into this, but uh, when he gets to uh, gets to work, we meet, what was his name? Alistair Smythe. Alistair, yeah. And this guy, he's, you know, I don't know what, 15 years younger? Yeah. Uh, and he's just, um, the way he talks to Max Dillon, you know, you, you just, you feel really bad for the guy. And it just, it just sounds like he just can't catch a break with who appears to be, I don't know if it's his boss or a supervisor, but somebody that can tell him what to do. So, um, also, Alistair Smythe, in the comics, he was the father of the Spider Slayers. And um, so, hopefully, later in future movies, we're going to get to see something robotic. <laughs> but um, he also came from Oscorp, so we just also have to assume that everything evil comes from Oscorp. Okay, and so... We get to see Norman Osborn, played by Chris Cooper. And do you know who this is? Uh, Chris Cooper or Norman Osborn? Uh, well, Chris Cooper, the actor. No, I do not. Uh, he was in The Muppets. He played the, the villain. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I know. Yeah, so we get Norman Osborn and Harry, played by, again, uh, Dane DeHaan. What do you think of these uh, two actors? You haven't seen Chronicles yet, right? Mm-mm. Okay. That's that's the only movie I know him from, and uh, throughout this movie, I see why they chose him. He played a similar character, 
and I thought he really did well in that movie too. And in this one, I thought he did a good job. What do you think of the father and son relationship between these two versus the Sam Raimi trilogy of uh, Norman and Harry? Obviously, the Norman and Harry and the Sam Raimi trilogy were a little bit closer, or at least they talked more. And, you know, this one, they barely talked, and Harry really resented his father. Right, because his father sent him away to boarding school at 11. Mm-hmm. You know, and if if we're to believe that Harry and Peter are the same age, Peter's just graduating high school, so this has been about seven or eight years that his father sent him away. Whereas in the, the first trilogy, in that relationship um harry was always around if if i remember correctly but the difference there was that he was trying to uh fight for the approval of his father Mm -hmm. right so his father was more into peter parker um so that's where it's it's a little bit different there yeah well i guess this one as the same too his father was or is was more interested in Peter Parker, too. Yeah. And, see, I'm kind of going out of order uh, again, but um, kind of going back to Max Dillon. Uh, while he was at work, he... Uh, there wasn't an evacuation or anything, right? It, I they, guess everyone was... Work. Okay, no. Well, they uh, left they, work. They left Okay, they, so everyone was leaving for work. He gets asked by... Alistair. What's his last name? Smythe? Smythe. That's easier for me to say. So Smythe asks him to... um, There's some kind of leak, Mm -hmm. right? There's some some kind of leak somewhere or... Electrical circuit broke. Right. So so they send him to go fix it. What do you think of this scene? Um, It just shows how much they bully or don't care about Max Dillon. Yeah, because you would think... I mean, this is... A hazard, right? There's nobody going up there with him. There's nobody there that even wants to help him. He even calls somebody over the radio, and you know it cuts out. But I, I, I think that guy was even, you know, not wanting to come up and help. Yeah, him. Yeah, uh, he said, "Hey, can you turn this off? It's pretty dangerous." And then the guy, the other guy says, "Forget it, Max. I'm clocking out." Yeah. See, so and and what makes it even that much more sad? This is his birthday, and they, you know, um. They're making him go do... First off, everyone's leaving, and they're still asking him to stay to go do something dangerous by himself on his birthday. And the man is singing happy birthday to himself, right? So you just you just feel so bad for him. You either feel so bad for him or you think that he's really crazy, so... Well, a little bit of both, really. Okay, so... And then, and then we see how he turns into Electro... Right, so there's a bunch of electric eels, and obviously they've been experimenting. Um, so, what do you think of this? Him falling into, you know, the really big vat of water and electrical eel. I mean, like his transformation. What do you think of that? I thought it was a a bit cliched to be uh, bitten and electrocuted by a lot of things. Kind of like being bitten by a spider and yeah. getting abilities. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so it's not. Um, I see what you mean by cliche, but, you know, in the realm of Spider-Man, he's getting bit by a spider. This man's being, you know, shocked by eels. So I kind of get it, but I, I see what you mean. I, I wish it was a little bit more uh, something something that wasn't so so comic booky. I guess. Yeah. 
what do you think of the look of Electro? I thought he looked good. I didn't, I didn't, since this is Spider-Man, I didn't think they would go with the old yellow and green Max Dillon costume. I thought they would actually go with the blue natural naked form of Electro, except, you know, give him a costume. Yeah, that that actually reminds me of Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. Yeah, that's who, what I thought. Yeah, but you haven't seen that. I have. You've seen that? It was on TV. Okay, you saw it on TV. Okay, that's different because I wouldn't let you watch it on the on yeah, the yeah, you know yeah. the Blu-ray version. You told me. Yeah. So so wait a few years on that one. That 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 one there, people is a is a strong R, and um you know I I wouldn't even let Phoenix watch that uh, yet. So and there you go. He's seen the TV version, which probably censors uh, Doctor Manhattan's uh, uh, Manhattan. Um, <laughs> so and and other scenes as well. Um, but the the scene where um, you know Jamie Fox, uh, uh, you know, Electro, you know when we see him in what appears to be the morgue, um, his body is kind of electric, right? And and burned to a crisp. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I I, I like the effect, and and um, I kind of go back and forth. How I I like him in the hoodie and the jeans, you know, because it shows him as an everyday man. I. I the rubber suit, you know, we'll maybe get into that later, or maybe we'll even just get into it now. But the I like I like how he looked like a regular person. You know, I, I'm I'm usually not a fan when when you get a villain or a superhero and boom, they got a costume. In some cases, okay, the villain give them the costume because that's what they're known for. But why not? Some of the villains look dressed like regular people, mm-hmm. right? So I I kind of dug the, the the hoodie and the jeans. But also, did he burn off the the sheet that was covering him when he first kind of... I don't think so, no. I think okay. he took it off because he was still encased in there. Yeah, see, okay, so that's what I was expecting was for the sheet to burn up. And I'm, I, I guess I'm glad that it didn't because then when he puts on the jeans and hoodie, you would expect that to burn too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, what do you think of that rubber suit? It looked it looked pretty good. It showed uh, a new type of suit looking different different from the comics. So like the Rhino suit too, uh, it was it was all metal. And in the Ultimate Comics, it was an actual Rhino with the person. And um, I I like this one because it gave him a whole new look. Yeah, I I like it too. But the only thing that bothered me was the um, I don't know if you caught it, but it was really hard to miss. But um, the emblem of the lightning. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. on his arm. So there, there were also little uh, lightning bolts designs all over the suit. In case you missed that. Well, I saw that. I don't know if that's an, a, a design. I saw that too, and I don't know if if it's a, a design, but it looked good. Did they design it like right away? Yeah, I, I see what you mean. It was it was an unintentional accident that happened, and somehow they have an electro suit just sitting around or something. Right, and what I did like was that uh, when they had him, you know, when when he was uh, uh, held captive, they had all these plugs and stuff, you know, kind of um, going into outlets on his body, right? Mm-hmm. So those remained, and those stuck out of the rubber suit. So I liked how they didn't even remove those. Unless that's something that they connected to him, that way he can get, you know, power or something like that. I mean, 
people might be thinking that we said, uh, you know, or me in particular, it might sound like an idiot. But I, again, remember, I'm like a three or four when it comes to this stuff. And this is just kind of a uh, an everyday man's uh, uh, opinion, really. Um, so, okay. So th- that's the suit. And wh- what do you think about the uh, the fight with Electro? The first one with the hoodie? Yeah. I liked it. Uh, it showed... It first, first of all, it showed Electro's power and what he could do, and that even Spider-Man uh, couldn't fight everyone for the first time and win. Right. It's uh, it was a pretty big, uh, big fight scene. I really liked the sound effects. Um, it kind of reminded me of the uh, the Cosmic Key from Masters of the Universe, um, a movie you haven't seen yet. We may not even revisit it, but. Um, but the music, the score, I really enjoyed it. The whole dubstep sound. I'm into that music, so I enjoy it. I know it gets annoying to some people. But uh, I do like this scene and I like the uh, the interaction. Um, the choice uh, to, to have Electro or Max Dillon obsessed with Peter Parker, or not Peter Parker, but Spider-Man, I thought was a little... I get that they're villains in the comic books. But I I didn't think it was really that needed, really, um, because it kind of in the movie it, it shows that he kind of switched sides, right? He's a he's a mm-hmm. big fan of Spider Man, and then he's turned against him. I think that they should have left that out, maybe because of Smythe being the way he was, you know, ha- made me have uh, Max Dillon have some kind of animosity towards the company because everyone just seems to be crapping on him all the time. You know, maybe make him pissed at Oscorp, Oscorp and, uh, you know, and then he becomes Electro, takes it out on the company, Spider-Man comes and tries to, you know, stop him. And then maybe that's where he's like, you know, hey, you know, I I idolize you, but but I hate this company and for you to come to stop me, that that's a problem. You know, and maybe you know, work from there. But again, that's my opinion. Um, so, so you have no other thoughts on the fight? Mm, no, 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 I don't. Okay. Uh, so what do you think, uh, or what is your thoughts on the Aunt May relationship with Peter? I liked it. Uh, it showed how close they were like they would any other thing, graphic novel, movie, TV show. So you think they conveyed very well to um, from what is in the from what you read? Yeah, everything oh. really. It showed Mark Webb really showed how close these characters are. Yeah, I especially like the scene where you know Peter is asking for the truth about his parents, and she, you know, at first she refuses to tell him anything, and. You know, she, she's crying. It's like, no, you're my kid. You know, I, I, I've raised you. And um, just b- the both of them, you know, start crying. And uh, so that really got to me. And I thought that was, that was a very good scene. And the weird thing is, and I don't know if this was uh, the studios or, or, or the, the director's choice in this, but it just felt like uh, he, here's what I know about the Spider-Man myth uh, mythos is that Uncle Ben is a big part in the story. Mm-hmm. In this one, it seems as though that any time Uncle Ben is brought up, that 
you know, Peter's just kind of like, he wants to, he just wants to, I don't know, he doesn't even want to bring up Uncle Ben. He keeps bringing up his parents. You know, maybe he's just so close to, you know, finding out the truth that he forgets Uncle Ben. I don't know. Uncle Ben, you know, is still fresh, right? He didn't just die five years ago. You know, this just happened. Just two years ago. You know, and but but still, like, if he's so tight with Aunt May, I'd imagine he was just as tight with Uncle Ben. And I just don't understand why, um, you know, maybe why there were no uh, visions of him, you know, feeling guilty for for uh, possibly being, you know, the reason for for Uncle Ben's murder, you know, so. I don't know why Uncle Ben's character just took a backseat in this particular movie. Um, but, you know, after the movie, I did think about it like, wow, you know, they casted a pretty big actor to play that role. And in this one, I think it was a flashback. I don't remember if it was um, an actual, you know, clip from the first movie, because I don't think they'd bring him back to reshoot a flashback. But in this one, he was really a non-factor. Mm. Okay, so, and we kind of been saving this for, for last, but what do you think about uh, Gwen Stacy, you know, as a character, Emma Stone? You're f- obviously familiar with Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about her character and her relationship with Peter? Oh, I liked her so much, the Mary Jane and Sam Raimi trilogies. I always liked uh, Gwen Stacy in the comics over uh, Mary Jane in the comics for some weird reason. Yeah, I and you know what? I'm not too familiar with Gwen Stacy from the comics, but I do know she uh, is a you know a girlfriend prior to Mary Jane. I didn't like Mary Jane in the tr- first trilogy either, but I thought that's because I'm kind of not a, a fan of Kristen uh, Kirsten Dunst. Um, I almost said Kristen Stewart. That that would have been a no. <laughs> Much more terrible movie, um, but Kirsten Dunst, I, I I like her, but I'm not a big fan of her. So I think that made me not really care for Mary Jane really. And but in this one, again, you know, props to Mark Webb. He he, you know, we obviously know Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are an item, and I don't know how long they've been dating. Maybe just since from the first movie. But their interaction is like they've been together for a few years. You know, their little jokes together, their little fights and quips and, you know, on-again, off-again relationship. Their on-screen is so, so realistic, you know. And um, the little cute parts, it made me smile. And when they fought, I really felt for them. And I just I just like the interactions. I, I, I can watch... I, I can watch... A rom com on just Mary, I mean Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker. I can just watch that alone. Um, so that in itself, um, I thought was really good. And did you have any um, scenes that stuck out for you? Uh, well, no, maybe we'll discuss that a little bit later. Okay, and so here's here's the the big spoiler of the movie for those that aren't very familiar at all with the um, the Spider-Man mythos, but the death of Gwen Stacy. What do you th- what'd you think about this scene? I knew this was coming for a while. At first, I thought it was going to be in the first movie, but then I realized, oh, well, Green Goblin's not in that movie, so I'll just have to wait for future sequels. But then I re- uh, saw the trailers for this one and saw Green Goblin 
was in the second one, so I knew, oh, yep, she's going to die. So she, he's the reason that she died. In yeah, the, okay. See, and yeah, I get that, but they could have changed it. Mm. You know, it, she could have died a different way, but uh, I, I see what you mean there. Um, I I know just from, you know, being spoiled and listening to uh, other podcasts over the years, and um, and I actually, I, I guess, I remember listening to one on Spider-Man 3, and that was kind of brought up you know, a, a little background on Gwen Stacy. So I knew from like that third movie that, um, her character dies in the comics. I mean, for those that don't even know, I mean, there, there's even, there, uh, one of the issues is called the night Gwen Stacy died, you know? So it, it's kind of, it, it's something that people did know, but, um, you know, I, I think for the most part, I'd say about like, you know, 65, 70% of the f- fans really don't know. Um, but, the scene, it really, it really got you. Andrew Garfield's performance, you know, it, it made me glassy eyed, you know, I, I nearly teared up. Um, but, uh, so, so she's falling down and he, you know, and a bunch of pieces in the clock tower are, are falling too. And he shoots out a, uh, a web and I don't know if you saw it, but when the web shoots it out, like it, it looks like a hand reaching out. So that was kind of, that was kind of cool. And, um, so unfortunately, you know, Peter pulls back too late, you know, just a split second too late. And, um, you know, she breaks her back as she hits the ground. She might have hit her head, too. Um, but, you know, I almost thought for a second that she might come back, but I knew that she died. So, I knew, you know, mm-hmm. more so I, I thought that she had to die right there. And it was kind of it was kind of. For sure, when when you know blood started running down her nose a little bit, so it was also it was, green, so that kind of freaked me out. What was the her blood? Her blood was a little green. See, I didn't I didn't get that. I just yeah. thought that it was really dark red, and mm-hmm. you know I thought it was brain damage and whatever from her head. But uh, so yeah, so that was a really big one. Um, real quick, what about the the goblin uh, suit? What do you think of the goblin look and suit? I love the goblin looking suit. It was so much better than the uh, new goblin in the Sam Raimi trilogies because he looks so much crazier than James Franco did. Yeah. And it, it was a lot better than the armor green goblin by William Defoe. Yeah. It, uh, th- this one is, you know, basically a, a side effect to the serum that uh, they had taken for for a condition that the Osborne family has. You know, the father says a line that, you know, they basically it's a curse in their family. Um, but so that makes him look goblin-esque, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually kind of like the idea of that. Um, his laugh was pretty maniacal, too. And I know that's kind of a thing with the Green Goblin. Um, so that, that's kind of actually our little review and that's, that's all we're really going to touch up on. Um, but before we end it, is there, uh, what are some of your, uh, favorite scenes? I have to say it's all the nods that I saw because I know most people wouldn't catch them, but I would. So I felt kind of happy at the end of the movie. I was like, wow, there's countless nods. Yeah, do you want to go over some of those real quick? Like, um, I mean, I, I know while we're inside Osborne, you get to see a couple of their um, prototype, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things that are being built or actually already built, but uh, kind of encased. Um, you got the Doc Ock arms, right? Mm-hmm. The tentacles. You got the uh, wings that um, could vulture. be vulture. Yeah. You know, they they are going to do a Sinister Six movie, so this, you know, these are probably some characters that will be uh, made. Um, uh, what about Felicia? Felicia Hardy um, is 
what's his name, Harry Osborne's assistant, and he calls her Felicia many times. But we all know that Felicia Hardy is later Black Cat. Uh, which know, is the which cat is burglar, the cat burglar, cat burglar, burglar. yeah, and she's kind of like Catwoman to Batman, right? Mm-hmm. She she's kind of kind of a villain and also uh, slash love interest, like mm-hmm. you know Selena Kyle, so kind of like that. Um, so I know that much. Um, one of the scenes, this isn't an Easter egg at all, but this probably got the biggest laugh from me uh, is when. You know, Peter is uh, still in laying in bed and he's in the suit and Aunt May is trying to come in. She comes in and he had just got done, you know, saving this uh, building that was on fire. And uh, his face is just, you know, you know, uh, it's all ashy and, and dirty. And um, she's like, what you been doing? And, and he's like, oh, well, I was cleaning the chimney. And she goes, we don't have a chimney. And he's like, what? <laughs> so the way it said his delivery. Uh, it got the entire th- uh, the crowd laughing. So that was pro- probably, I think, the the funniest scene. And, and and again, you know, I've only watched it the one time, so it's still a lot to process. Um, but so, what do you uh, what do you give this movie? Uh, out of five, right? Yes, I give it a four. A four? Yeah. Okay, I thought you were gonna go a little bit higher than that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four and a half. And um, you know, I went back and listened to um, Coming to America, and I gave that movie a five. <laughs> and what's funny is that uh, after I listened to it, I go, "Wow, I really gave it a five. Um, I, I had no problems with coming to America, but uh, yeah, you know th- that was that's pretty high. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to retract it because I've already said it, but but I, I want to throw out that I, I think that was a little bit uh, higher than I really should have given it. See. Yeah, I, and I've never really uh, sat down and and kind of um, tried to. You know, go through my stars and star and a half and quarters and all that and, and figure out what, you know, threshold would be for what kind of movies and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But this movie, I'm going to say, and I think I'm basing this on, like, uh, you know, with the other four movies in mind. I think that's why I'm going to say this is a four and a half. So, you know, one day maybe we'll revisit the other ones too or something and, and give ratings for that. But I'm going to say a four and a half based on. You know how I feel about the other four movies. I thought this movie was uh, uh, very solid. I love Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. I love uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro prior to him putting on that suit. I love the interactions with everybody. Um, it's just it, it's a it's it's a really really good movie. This is PG thirteen, so there wasn't a whole lot of content that would be uh, offensive in any way for younger younger audiences. So, yeah, definitely go check it out. Did you have any other comments or anything before we get into uh, listener feedback? Um, no, it's all you. All right, let's get into listener feedback. All right, we have our first email, and it is from a uh, friend of the podcast, Mike Masunas. He has his own show, uh, Sweep the Leg, and Jameson Rabbit as his co-host. Um, he writes in, Hey, time-traveling Peter and son, congrats on the new podcast. So I don't want to spend a lot of time writing about this movie, as I'm still trying to get my final score and thoughts, but I can't find anything I didn't like. I heard multiple people say, there's too much going on, and multiple stories, etc., etc. I thought everything flowed great. The real-life couple made me smile every time they were on screen together. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, I could watch for hours upon hours. I knew 
Going into this, that is 99% chance Gwen would die. My only hope and prayer was Emma Stone gets a lot of screen time before I had to say goodbye. And when I did, I shed some man tears. If no one cried during that scene, they are not human and have no soul and run away from them as they are not of this world. With, uh, with that being said, Spider-Man was more Superman, saving everyone's life over and over again. The best was the electrocution fate headed to those people if they touched the pole in Times Square. Amazing save by Spider-Man. I thought Jamie Foxx pulled it off and was really cool. Very satisfying villain and overall a misunderstood broken guy. Uh, real quick, he mentions the, the fight in the Times Square and the the slow-mo effect. What did you think of that? I don't, I don't think we touched on that. It was an okay effect. I thought it was a little bit much that they didn't really need it, but it really showed what Spider-Man can do in those kind of times. Yeah, it kind of remind me, uh, reminded me of uh, the first Spider-Man movie when he was fighting, what's that guy's name? Green Goblin? No, 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 in, in, in school. Uh, oh, Flash. Yeah, so it, it's like when he was fighting him, they, they slowed everything down, and um, so they used that effect, yeah, in, in the other ones too, so kind of reminded me of that, but I thought this one was done better. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get a babysitter. Anytime he was on screen, she got scared and held me tight, and he's talking about Electro. Yeah. But all in all, she was a trooper. I loved Harry until he became the Goblin. How did he know that the suit would save him? He was cool, don't get me wrong, just felt like he was there for the end fight only and see you later till part three. But at the same time, I love that he wasn't in it much, just like Rhino, so Electro could shine, so there you go. Don't really have a problem with him after all. He was so great prior to Goblin, I could have lived with it had he never became the Goblin. I did figure that since I had not seen the Rhino fight shown in the trailers, the movie would close out with that scene. There is more to talk about, but for now, this will do. I can't find why I should go below 5 stars. Maybe Tuesday I'll record an episode myself and know for sure. At this point, I'll stick with 5 unless you guys bring up some points I may have missed or overlooked. Thanks and enjoying the show. Have a good one. Take care. Masuna's out. So, yeah, man. Thank you for the email. Uh, again, um, Sweep the Leg is a podcast I listen to. And uh, Mike and I, we've uh, developed a, you know, a pretty good friendship, I'd like to think. Um, he may think otherwise. I don't know. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, emailed in our first one to, to get this uh, rolling. Now, th- there's something else I do have. Uh, it's not quite an email uh, it's more of a comment, really. It is from Jameson, the co-host of uh, Sweep the Leg. He also has his uh, um, shows as well uh, in Real Films Podcast, and he's also the co-host in uh, Movie Mojo Monthly. But he personally messaged me via Facebook and just says, Hey man, I just finished a Robocop episode. Well done. Phoenix did an excellent job. I can't wait to get into Coming to America. You guys sound great together. Well, thank you for that, sir, and I'm glad we do sound great. And now you, too, can email in to us. You can reach us at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. It's really simple. It's just an abbreviation of the show, Hydrate Level 4. So, again, hlfpodcast at gmail.com. And we're even on Twitter at hlfpodcast. 
or even on our Facebook page at Hydrate Level 4. Uh, Phoenix wants to write up an Easter egg um, kind of thing, and we're going to post that on the Facebook page and also on our podcast page on Podbean. So uh, until the next episode, I'm Peter. I'm Phoenix. And we're Hydrate Level 4.